Greetings, salutations, hello, and welcome to On Milwaukee's post-game tailgate, the sports and pop culture podcast powered by the Drew Olson Show on the Big 920. I am sports editor Jimmy Carlton, and joining me, as always, is pop culture editor Matt Miller. Ahoy, ahoy, Jimmy. Matt, you are disappointed because your favorite soccer team, as of two weeks ago, is no longer in the World Cup tournament, and now you have no more uh, occasions to do the Viking clap in the office. Fare thee well, Iceland. I'm more disappointed that Argentina's still around, because Argentina played crappy soccer for three games. Mediocre, not good soccer, minus one good messy goal, and now I have to watch them again for a fourth week. I hope France punts them into the moon. That is my hope. Jimmy is wearing a French kit. So. I'm wearing a French long sleeve collared kit from I think like the early '80s. That yeah, was back my dad. Yeah, back uh, when they played the World Cup in in Greenland. Yeah. So um, we have a, a local music guest that we're very excited to bring on in a couple of minutes um, to talk about Summerfest. Um, and first, we uh, all wanted to actually let's just let's let's uh, intro you now, Alan. Uh, this is Alan Hollis, the founder of Breaking and Entering the Daily Music website, the organizer of Big Beat MKE and the uh, godfather of local music, in my opinion. Oh, well, thank you. That's Dire- the first time I've been a godfather of anything, but I'll take Congratulations. That. Director of several outstanding college short films with me as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. And occasional watcher of soccer, we hope, for this uh, first time. Oh, yeah, definitely. More than an occasional. That's He's all. actually converting me. More so than you or Keith Tozer. Alan <laughs> is the one who's actually teaching me about how a lot of this stuff works. Basically, I'm putting up with Matt. Uh-huh. I'm watching the soccer matches with him, and I'm just, when he has something, I just stop him, and then I just correct him. And, you know, just, I'm trying. I'm training him for, for parenthood because I'm very much like tugging at his shirt being like, Alan, what just happened? So, and, I, and I'm generally like, Matt, I'm, I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. That's <laughs> all. So, Matt, you mentioned Argentina. And I want to start right now because uh, the games today and uh, Tuesday just ended. And Argentina is now through to the, to the knockout round Paris. inexplicably. And um, thanks to, in my opinion, um, the uh, uh, cruel mistress and completely unnecessary and soccer-ruining um, technology known as VAR. You hate VAR. I hate VAR, even though I understand the utility and the necessity of it if we're sort of, if we have the capability to review things and you want to get the calls right, of course, that's every, every direction in sports is like, let's get them right if we can. Yeah. But in my opinion, first of all, it's has it's it, in the last couple of days it has been incorrectly applied in certain cases where it's ruining it it just sort of ruins its own point of existing. But in my opinion, and from the, a soccer highfalutin, uh, a sophisticated asshole you, perspective, you are an asshole right? who is highfalutin. Soccer as a sport is much more of an art than a science. The game is a lot, a lot more fluid. <laughs> Matt's already laughing and, and angry, <laughs> angry at this premise. I wasn't prepared for it to be this highfalutin. <laughs> so we got you have got baseball, right? I mean, baseball is a strike zone, and yeah. it's much more of a, a, a game that lends itself to metrics and to statistics and to uh, uh, spray yeah. charts and et cetera. You know, all this sort of nuanced stuff that you can do. Soccer to score a goal is is much more, you know, I mean, the, the scoring is lower. It's a it's a product of, you know, 11 guys basically being on the same page and some sort of, like, magic coming together and, and artistry. Unless of, of if you're soccer. Portugal, which in that case you just pass the ball to Ronaldo and see what <laughs> right. happens. Right, or you yeah. score off set pieces like England has done all, all the... Harry Kane! <laughs> so what, we, what we've now, and I, I'll, you know, I'll get off my soapbox so, soliloquy, a soliloquy soapbox in a second here. <laughs> but what we have now is we have video review for every single play in the box, which has created already more penalty kicks than we've ever had in any World Cup for the entirety of the tournament in this first, not even the end of the first round. We have um, video reviews that are uh, occasionally, if you 
shoulder charge a guy or take a guy down, knock a guy down in the box, it's a penalty, and that changes the entire course of the game. And occasionally it's just, well, that's not the worst we've seen in, you know, in this tournament. And it's completely, because there's so many referees, just like in the NBA Finals, when you have, you know, like we, we've talked about this, you have referees you prefer and referees you don't, and I guess all the sports. There's some, they're, they're just not, it's just not applied uniformly. Yeah. And uh, today, Argentina was called for a, a penalty that I thought was incorrectly given, and Nigeria scored off of it. Yeah, then one later on, a clear handball in the box was not given as a penalty, and I don't think there's really much other way of looking at it than the referee knew the stakes. He knew that the first one was iffy and knew that he was basically burying Argentina's corpse if he gave that second penalty because they would have lost. <laughs> I... I actually, I weirdly disagree with you on this. I think well, that's good. I think of all the matter of fact of all of the sports replay systems that I've seen, I like how the VAR system works. It's very fast. I think it's very efficient. Uh, the application is good. I don't. I don't like the the the. Sorry, the execution of how it's applied is fine. I don't agree in the cases that it's applied and the yeah. and the and the and the outcomes that are that are discerned. Which is also my I I guess as a as a dumb non highfalutin soccer fan <laughs> asshole. Um, you like how I established that that corner for myself right away. And I mean, uh, you, that was like me last week prefacing every sentence with "I'm a moron," but uh, but my my <laughs> they do that a lot. I, I'm a moron. People should know this. Um, but it. Is there something wrong with more penalty kicks and more goals? Like, as penalty think, kicks are fun. I penalty kicks are exciting. It, my problem with it is the overuse of it at the beginning. Like, I don't necessarily hate the idea of, of VAR, but growing as, as somebody that's watched it and been always about, this is about the referee's interpretation of what's a penalty, what's a foul, what isn't, and what's a goal, even sometimes. Um, you know, I was... I was okay with it at the beginning, but now it seems like they, they've got a new toy and they want to play with it a little bit. And so it seems like it's almost being overused this tournament. But it's also a lot of these, you know, a lot of these referees first time getting to use it because mm-hmm. there are still leagues that don't have Absolutely. VAR. That's a great point. So I think that they're kind And it's of been like, controversial in the leagues that it's been applied into so far. Right. But like we said, like there have been more goals. There have been more penalty kicks. Is it is getting people like me interested in soccer because there's there's more exciting stuff going on, and and I, I I don't see the kind of the loss there. It's not like football where football actively makes plays less good. All right, and I can appreciate play. what you're saying in terms of a sort of like a neophyte fan who just wants to who I mean see, really seeing <laughs> seeing a penalty kick <laughs> is pretty you know easy to, to it's 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 all drama it's right one on one right it's, yeah. it's like baseball it's 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 the it's the best thing about sports. Every now and then the goalie blocks it, and it's like the most exciting yeah. thing you've ever seen and, in your and life. And I remember being a kid and going to, uh, shout out Milwaukee Rampage games in the late nineties. Yes. You remember going to Rampage games, Alan? I've been to a couple of Rampage games and uh, the Wave United. Wave United, hell yeah! <laughs> yes. And I remember che- as a, you know an eight or nine year old, whatever, cheering for games to go into PK shootouts because it was it's very it's exciting, dramatic, dramatic yeah. way to end, right? But Are the, you comparing to my taste in soccer to a seven year old? <laughs> yeah, a little, bit, a little bit. I am mostly sort um, of. and. And so the, the 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 problem comes up though, and I would compare. First of all, it, what I'm what I'm seeing, what the, the biggest issue that anyone has with it is that it's deciding games, and in a three game knockout round, it's deciding teams advancing or not. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the scoring is so low in soccer. If you give a penalty kick, which is like seventy five to eighty percent conversion rate for the scoring the, uh, the kicking team, then you're basically giving you know seven seventy point seven five goals to a team right off the bat. Don't foul. <laughs> well, and, and that is my argument. And so, okay, so the other thing is that, like, as you compare to other sports, right? Like, if 
if the VAR technology was used, and this would be a boring way to use it, and we would all complain about this because then it's more baseball, and that's the most problematic, I think, of the ones, or the most frustrating. Football is the most problematic. If they were just like looking at, did this ball cross the line? And sometimes it's used, you know, right. did the ball cross the line on, on, a, on the goal line yeah. entirely? And it's incredibly valuable. But it's it's not being used there very often because that doesn't really come up a whole lot in soccer. And what it, and what I would compare it to is like in football, if every single time there was a pass interference, questionable pl- penalty with you know receiver cornerback contact, they went and re- reviewed that because that's a hugely you know m- impactful play, forty yard you know play yeah. or whatever. If they were doing that a lot and that, you know maybe not every time, but three or four times a game, or in basketball just you know, contact under the basket. These are subjective calls, and that's the reason we have referees, mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, specific, measurable situations where I think that's that's the, the utility of something like video review. And, I mean, you mentioned Portugal. I don't think any of us really enjoy rooting for Portugal. They play ugly, and nobody here is a Cristiano Ronaldo fan, but... Right. <laughs> I mean, I enjoy watching Cristiano Ronaldo play, but, like... He's such it's a like dork. It's like rooting for the robots to like overcome to like it's, destroy humanity. It's like messy today. Like uh, watching Argentina win over Nigeria and Iceland. It was the just like flawed hero. why am I watching the? I, f- I feel like I'm watching the least exciting team move out of this group. I'm very excited for Croatia to yeah. keep moving forward and for Argentina to jump off a bridge. Yeah, I'm excited well, about Croatia. To a degree, I think that the group stages are almost a little bit predictable. Um, they have usually, been very much this year. Right. And so I, I can see, like, VAR not being too big of an issue here. My problem is going to be when we get into the later stages when there's more impactful games and those situations magnify even more because, you know, we, we kind of know who's going out of the group stages. Yeah. And you can always tell, like, who's, who might win a game or who's got the advantage, it seems like. But when it comes down to two really even teams and the stakes are one game versus, you know, if they lose, they can still make up yeah. for it in the other Totter two. their but, way in. Yeah. Right. So I'm worried about the later stages when it's the most important call in the world at that moment. Yeah. And then, you know, are they going to use the VAR? Is it going to impact the entire match? Is it going to be a one-goal deficit because of it? Things like that. I got one more question i got to ask, and then we'll, we'll move on to why we brought a music expert here <laughs> to talk to us. Uh, he's a renaissance man. He's got a, he's, he is. He's he knowledgeable at all, all things under the sun. England. They're real? Is this mm, real? Well, they're certainly a team that scores a lot on, like, well-designed... Uh, basketball-esque set pieces. Yeah, I mean, they're beating yeah. the crap out of, like, Panama. Panama and Tunisia, and, yeah. Yeah, so, like, teams that England should be beating the crap out of. So, do you think they make it? Well, they, so they have a game tomorrow against, is it tomorrow? Uh, Belgium. Yeah, it might be Friday, uh, what Thursday. The, they have a game against Belgium, which was supposed to be sort of the toast of the group to decide. But now, And they have been the toast of the group. And now, because Belgium. of how the other groups have shaken out, and because they've got a couple of days of knowing of other groups' results, the game is going to end up being sort of B squads of both sides, yeah. playing for a draw to try to get the second place um, finish in the group mm-hmm. um, for an advantageous draw going forward. Um, England's fun to watch though. If if you do like, I mean, they 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 execute on set pieces. Do you not like set pieces? I, it's not my preferred way of watching soccer. I mean, it's it's like, do you prefer watching? You're I know you're a big Marquette guy. Do you prefer watching like a really well executed inbounds play that ends in a layup, or do you prefer like a pull up three or like a dunk in transition? 
But that, that's, that's a, a, a very but that's a bad way of putting it because in basketball, like they're scoring points all the time. Whereas in soccer, you right. only have and so, so the goals many... that I want to see. I would, I would like to see in the run of play. But I mean, yesterday England's or a couple days ago, England scored a beautiful goal of a free kick that had like three or four different composite parts and was clearly like well practiced overall. Yeah. But again, yeah. they're playing Tunisia and Panama. See, like the yeah. runaway goals get redundant to me a little bit sometimes, where it's like. Like you know, like uh, guy, guy break, break yeah, yeah, guy breaks away. Like they're very cool, they're very awesome. I love them. Goals are good, um, <laughs> but but it, uh, those to me are a little bit more like oh okay, like guy ran as soon as they got a steal and they, oh okay, like yeah. it's it's like a if a basketball game was entirely made of breakaways. Well, that's that's true, but. I mean, they're not... That would be a fun game. Or it's nice to watch That's why I like the Big East instead of the Big Ten. (laughs) But anyway. Yeah, the Big Ten is is like watching uh, Saudi Arabia versus Egypt. It's just pummeling each other with no one one actually mattering. Do we have a a World Cup uh, favorite pick? After Um, these first two-thirds, three-quarters of the games? I I think Belgium looks really good. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I also feel like it's probably going to end up being a very boring team. I think it'll end up being... Uh, Germany will get in. This has been very fun imagining a world where Germany does not make it past the first if round. If you want to talk about a team that plays like robots, that's, yeah. that's Germany. Like, it's probably going to end up being Germany and Brazil with, like, Belgium and uh, maybe, like, Croatia. Like, there's always one cute little team that Croatia's makes it. Croatia's been a surprise. Before. And uh, a lot of the, the heavyweights are stacked on one side of the um, the bracket, sort of going, you know, the projected guys going forward. And... Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like Spain would have a pretty favorable uh, way through, uh, um, but they haven't looked impressive. And Croatia is this uh, sort of is, a, is looking like they got a lot of spunk. Oh wow! So we'll use that as a nice <laughs> segue. Um, to, that actually worked perfectly. Uh, in it terms is of time. not not one of our pre-chosen drops, which we're excited to use today for the first time. I've down- of, yeah, I've downloaded an app. Um, a very uh, <laughs> sophisticated producer uh, production system, uh, basically that is Matt's phone. Yeah. So Jimmy, you know what starts tomorrow? Summerfest? <laughs> there it is, we're adults. So Summerfest starts tomorrow, <laughs> and if you aren't aware of it, it's the world's largest music festival. Tell me more about this world's <laughs> largest music festival. Um, for more about Summerfest's history, please read Bobby Tanzillo's articles on Milwaukee.com. Nice uh, plug, shameless plug. So, and also look forward to... Uh, lots of uh, Summerfest content throughout the next 10 days at uh, Milwaukee. We're going to be writing the hell out of Summerfest. Including um, some of our best and most favorite stories of all time. We've been covering Summerfest uh, as a company, not you and Matt, not Matt and I, for 20 years. I've and been covering it Some for of our all-time favorite stories will be running throughout uh, the next couple weeks. Anyways, um, what do we think of the musical lineup this year? <laughs> Why did you turn into a robot there? What do we think of the musical lineup? We just resorted to, like, Siri for a second yeah. to see. Um, Jimmy was briefly hijacked. Yeah, um, usually I, I start all my sentences with, what do you think of? And then I let uh, the, the robots plug in. It's like Madden when it's just like, what do you guys think of the Denver Broncos? Uh, but I, I've been saying this a lot. I think this is one of the best Summerfest lineups there's been in years. Uh, and I mean that not just as the music that I want to hear. I feel like I have not heard anyone complain about the Summerfest lineup this entire summer, which is apocalyptic. Well, my sister, was, yes. my sister yes. complained about it to me, but she's going to see the five card. She's going to see the five card studs more than most humans. So okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. we'll just we'll let that go. So yeah. that she's in that Venn diagram. Yeah. Okay, but I. It, you've got a lot of country music, but not too much country music like they've had some years, especially on the main stage when they sometimes get carried away and you've got like... 
three or four 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 or five like half of the the headliner acts are country right uh you've got a really you've got a bunch of you've got you've got rap which is something notoriously summerfest has been light on uh they've they've hip-hop is Kind of been something Summerfest. Well, for a long time it was, and then we we were talking about this last year actually with you, Alan. Alan came on last year when we reviewed Summer. We recapped Summerfest mm-hmm. um, and tried to get to the bottom of why kids were saying everything was lit and dope. Um, we never really did, but uh, yeah. <laughs> in the last couple of years, I think yeah. is, it's been more of an effort to appeal to a broader, more diverse audience. Yeah, and they've been they've been wanting to get younger and more diverse, and it, obviously Summerfest. It, it's always annoying because there's a feeling that some of us should be competing with the likes of a Lollapalooza and a Bonnaroo and stuff like that. But I don't know if they should. Like, there is not many festivals out there for everyone. Mm. Lollapalooza and Bonnaroo, I feel like I've already aged out of. Right. I don't want to go to those festivals anymore. They seem like nightmares. <laughs> Summerfest is, is a festival for everyone, and there's not many things like that. So I think Summerfest is doing a really great job right now of bringing everybody possibly in, young acts, old acts, something for everyone, someone for some acts for people during the days. It's I'm very impressed by it this year. And like I said, it's crazy that people agree on the Summerfest lineup, but that's that's what I've heard. You're more tapped in Alan, than, <laughs> than, than I am on the music scene. Though. Um, to be honest, I think everything this year has been really, really solid. It's, a, it's always a challenge with Summerfest because there's 11 days and there's something like 200-odd slots that you have to fill. And, and you've got somehow taking a bunch of the, the big people. Yes, with a radius clause and things like that. So for people that don't know, if you play Lollapalooza, you basically can't play within X number of miles within X number of months. So yeah. that is why there's a lot of confusion there. And mm-hmm. that's why people say, why didn't we get these guys? And that's because they're playing Lollapalooza or they're playing somewhere else. There's music festivals popping up like crazy. Right. Well, it's, usually, it's usually more complicated yeah. than just yeah. Summerfest, not a, not not uh, yeah. well, just two or three <coughs> years. It's so an epidemic has turned of into a really massive indie, and not even indie. They they bring in last year. The they brought in Chance the Rapper. Uh, right. So it, it's it, that's clearly growing into a an up and coming festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, matter of fact, you'd probably read more about Eau Claire's festival in something like a Pitchfork or a Rolling Stone right. before you'd read about Summerfest, which I think. Is, is kind of frustrating if I was a, if I was a Summerfest person to be like, why are you constantly overlooking us? Well, just within the Midwest alone, you've got Lollapalooza, you've got Riot Fest in Chicago, uh, you've got Soundset, which is a hip-hop festival in Minnesota, uh, Somerset, which is in Somerset, Wisconsin, which is an EDM festival. We have Oak an EDM Claire's festival in Wisconsin? Somerset, Wisconsin, yes. Uh, we have Eau Claire, as we said. Um, I'm sure there are things in, you know... Bonnaroo is close enough. Bonnaroo is Tennessee. Country Thunder. Yeah. <laughs> country, country, country Thunder. Is country a Thunder. I mean, they, they bring in big name acts. Like so you Blake have Shelton. all of these factors that go into your lineup, and, and you have 11 days, so... Not to mention, 11 days becomes almost more... Um, it becomes a little bit of a, a problematic because it is so long, right? I mean, you right. can't really pack it... Putting someone as one headliner among 11 days isn't as newsworthy for but, that band. But that's and also the benefit of having an 11-day-long festival. Is when you go to Lala, you're seeing like 15-minute segments of You're seeing about a half hour, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're barely seeing Because a there's a lot of overlap and things like that. Yeah. But the problem is you can't sustain that for 11 days from a budget standpoint, I don't <laughs> think. Like, it would be great if we could do, you know, what some of those festivals do on that big, big of a stretch, but... 
financially, that doesn't make any sense yeah. for them to try and pack headliner after headliner after headliner. Sometimes you got to tape music. <laughs> and sometimes you have Tuesday at 4 o'clock sets that you have to fill that yeah. no artist is going to agree to. Of well, that Cheap Trick might agree to it. you got a lot of School of Rock. Over and over again. A lot of School why, of Rock. Why are you ripping on Cheap Trick? They're, not. He- they're headlining. I think they've got... They they had, I think they had a 4 p.m. slot at, no? Uh, they're listed as a headliner. Yeah, they're, they're like But a, they are playing... I thought they were a 10 o'clock act. They are playing at 9.45 on the last night. Oh! You know what that counts for? I'm not going to do it again. I'm not going to do it. Yeah, I'm going to take the phone away. Yeah, I I need my phone. Yeah. So let's kind of talk a little bit about who we're excited about, who we're seeing. Uh, uh, Kind of, we'll just sprint through kind of the lineup a little bit, just real fast. We're doing, I'm doing Imagine Dragons opening night, which I'm very excited about, because last time Imagine Dragons was at Summerfest, they broke Summerfest. That yes. was the infamous oh, the night. The overcrowded night, yeah. yes. And I think never they, forget yeah, that. They get a lot of credit for it, and I do think it was a kind of mix of elements, because wasn't Maroon 5 that night, too? There was, like, uh, there was another big act that was the next stage over. It was between the Miller Light Oasis and the Harley Davidson, yeah. and it was an EDM act, which is slipping my mind. Yeah, there were a was. lot of acts might have been that Girl were... Talk? No. I think you might be right. So, uh it was a lot of it was a lot acts of who were way too big to be all on the same. And Imagine Dragons blew up, I think, that summer. I think that was when uh, right. the, their first kind of song really took off. So, obviously, now they're at the amphitheater where hopefully they can't break right. break the festival. And I'm very I'm excited for this. I'm not a huge Imagine Dragons fan. I, I think they're they're a little repetitive, but I saw them at the Bradley Center, a couple of the dearly departed Bradley Center, and <laughs> they put on a good show. They play well, and oh wow! And uh, talking about them actively hurts my voice. Yeah. Uh, no, you know I think the the main headliners at the amphitheater are great this year. Um, the one that really stands out in my life, in my mind, is in actually, your life, in my life, <laughs> no, is uh, the Arcade Fire on the last night of Summerfest is going to be an unbelievable way to cap that off. That should be a good uh, night. Yeah, I saw them at Lollapalooza last year, and didn't wasn't I was kind of like a fringe Arcade Fire song. Like I knew the Everything Now stuff, and that was it's a very very solid album. Their last album that came out. But I didn't really know some of the earlier stuff. I just always had known them as like a big indie band. Yeah. And the uh, indiest of indie bands. Right. I was just like you know how you just like assume people are good? Yeah. I just kind of assumed that they were gonna be good. <laughs> and they completely went above and beyond everything that I had imagined for them to be. Uh Big Boy in the Weekend is gonna be a good show. Jay Cole is gonna be a good show. Is he gonna be fire though? It will be <laughs> a, it will be a solid amount of fire. Okay, just making how sure. How many fire emojis? Uh, what are we sk- what are we ranking it? We're on uh, between five. Yeah, between five. Our fire our fire scales up to five. Our wham 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 scales from three. Uh, actually, J Cole and Trippy Red because Trippy Red is on the double XL freshman list this year. So what is, I'm gonna what give, is that? It is the annual list of who is going to blow up next within the next year in hip hop. Oh, interesting. Uh, it has lost a little bit of legitimacy in the last couple of years because the internet is caught up to a yearly publication in a magazine. Yeah, people, so, people don't creep up on like, Yeah, exactly. SoundCloud. It's not like an out-of-nowhere thing yeah. now. Yeah. Um, but Trippy Red is a double XL freshman, and J. Cole is going to be... I mean, he's always solid. Yeah. I'm not the biggest J. Cole fan, but I would still give it a four out of five fire emojis. <laughs> <laughs> so. uh, important question. What do we think the average age is going to be at the James Taylor Bonnie Raitt concert? Is that going to um, be like a 60, 70? They're not listening to this podcast. How about that? I was gonna, <laughs> they're, they're probably not on <laughs> Hey, James book. Taylor listens to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he gave us a really nice note from our oh. list. 
Uh, yeah, also, I, also Matt and my also Matt and my parents. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that show. I believe it wasn't Paul Simon last year. He played the amphitheater, and the the major complaint about that show was that it was too quiet to be a Summerfest show. That yeah. all the sound from the chaos of Summerfest from the nearby BMO Harris stage really it, it it made him almost feel like he was being drowned out of his own concert right and, and i'm concerned have... about james taylor and bonnie not as much bonnie Raitt, but i'm worried about james taylor kind of suffering from from getting blown it's, out it's yeah. not his acoustical environment for right that. You no know, you do have half half of it is outside on the lake yeah I mean, he's an intimate Small, like, I'm going to talk quietly into a microphone. Yeah. Tell you about how we're friends. Maybe he rocks out at concerts. Maybe he goes nuts. Yeah. But he's, yeah. I, I got, I, I, I'm, I'm very. How many fire emojis? I, I give that a one and a half fire emojis. Yeah. Um, one well, and you a half. You do have the wallflowers and the guffs right, or Gor- Gorin and Morgan of the guffs uh, at the BMO Harris Pavilion <laughs> right there. So you don't really got to worry about Gorin, that. Didn't Gorin and Morgan of the guffs uh, score a goal for Croatia in their they last met, game? They both did play soccer for UWM. No way. Yeah. Ah. So ah. You just predicted it. <laughs> but it's actually, that's true. That's because uh, I did a lot of research before they met playing. They met playing soccer. Uh, or Gorin did. I don't know if it was if Morgan was. Um <laughs> But anyway, you have them at the BMO Harris Pavilion next door, so you don't really got to worry about them drowning out Bonnie Raitt and James Taylor, but uh, it is kind of important because Bonnie Raitt is just coming back from medical issues, so this is oh. one of her first shows back. Uh, she canceled See, a whole bunch of dates. We, this is why we bring in the music expert. She uh, canceled a whole bunch of dates right before she played, and so this will be one of her first shows back. Oh, great. So if you are going, that would be something interesting to watch for and hopefully give her you know, a little bit of benefit of the doubt for even being up and on stage for that. That'll uh, be very interesting. And don't forget about Nelly at the U.S. Cellular Connection stage, <laughs> the new U.S. Cellular. I'll be covering that Yeah, show, what do you think apparently. of it? Did you get to see the new the I new have not yet? seen it yet, but I plan on seeing it tomorrow on the first day of Summerfest. Yeah, because who Definitely are checking out the area. It's, uh, very, it's very, it's obviously, I mean, we, we, we covered up that it's opening very well renovated, yeah. like, uh, um, technologically and acoustically, it's uh, you know far advanced of any of the other yeah. uh, head and shoulders above the other Summerfest stages. Yeah, and, and it, it needed. needed an update. The <clears> U.S. <throat> cellular was generally, I would say, one of the worst. That well, and the U.S. warehouse, one of the better locations of, that yeah. needed to be that yeah. needed to co- sort of uh, have that have its environment brought. Yeah, up. they always had sound issues there. It, well, the problem is it's a vertical pretty much structure, and then all of a sudden it's. You get that one horizontal stage. It's on a corner, and it's weird, and that was the U.S. Cellular. So I'm, I'm glad that that's being redone. I cannot wait for the U-Line Warehouse to finally be redone because that That's needs, next, right? That's that needs next. to be redone, yes. It's, it's, it's a death trap. That's what it is. Well, wasn't, it, that. wasn't it you who went? T-Pain, I, right? Last year. You I went to T-Pain, T-Pain yeah. That's yeah, right. where it was, like, <laughs> so crowded. It was Tramble Fest. Yeah. And for T-Pain, imagine if there was, like, a, like a legitimate rave act well, going on there. Yeah, I mean... T Pain got the crowd. They got the. He got them going. If you, uh, <laughs> yeah. if you know, robot, what I robot mean. Jimmy showed back up again. <laughs> they will get you going. Don't, don't forget to check out my my music reviews. Where I, where they I, played the sonic noises well. <laughs> I'm very. The excited. next night is June 29th. Yeah. And Matt, you're covering the amphitheater headliner there. I am. I am. That is. Uh, Halsey and Logic. Halsey and Logic. I'm covering someone almost every night, mm-hmm. so if I end up, if by the end of Summerfest the reviews are just slurred, illegible James Joycean 
uh, pros, that is because I have gotten no sleep. Yeah, we're going to be on the same page. We'll be... <laughs> We'll have plenty of, of coverage as well, and I'll yeah. be there every night. So yeah, I'm if very... you see either one of us just passed out in the Miller Lite Oasis, just revive us with cheese yeah. curds. We'll get, yeah, get him a sassy yeah, platter. This is yeah. To, yeah, this is to be expected. Um, uh, what do we think about that day? <laughs> I, I think it's... I'm interested to see how it sells. Because I obviously Halsey's a big radio voice on Top 40 Radio, but I'm not sure if she's a sellout a gigantic amphitheater act yet. Well, and especially yeah. the amphitheater doesn't always appeal... To, isn't always inclined... For younger, younger people, which I think is expensive. I think that's a big issue with the Sean Mendes show. I think Mm -hmm. just from the general vibe of Summerfest being like, hey, if you really want to go to Sean Mendes, you should go to Sean Mendes. Yeah, there's a kind of a vibe that maybe that show's not selling as well as they were hoping. Which that's another act where Sean Mendes, a lot of top forty hits, but I don't know if he's a, a guy who sells out top. Tier tickets. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a it's like crowd. a it's like a tweener show between like, you know, being a great ground stage show and being an okay amphitheater show and you yeah. know and we say that as you know two twenty seven and twenty eight year olds <laughs> we assume that and we haven't seen the sales. Yeah, we may it, so we, we may know. show up there and it's like there are just people banging down the walls. Fest, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Next so, year it just becomes eleven days of Sean. We Mendes. could we could entirely be wrong on that, but it doesn't sound like doesn't sound like that. I'm thrilled for Mendes. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, Sean Amania. Some people will be very excited. Most people will be very disappointed. Most people <laughs> over the age of nineteen will be very disappointed. Um, yeah, that night's actually one of the slower nights, which is surprising for the first Friday night of Summerfest. There's not, uh, I think, a lot of big names, um, well, but you, the you, next night definitely. Picks up. You've got the first big country act of Summerfest, which country always does well at Summerfest. Florida Georgia Line and BB Rexa, and I think that show could end up being one of the largest shows of yes, Summerfest because definitely. that song is is blowing up right now. The if uh, let it be or whatever the song is called, and and it's playing on top forty. It's playing on country. It's playing kind of everywhere. Mm-hmm. So you could definitely kind meant of see a, a massive meant to be. There it is. <laughs> I think you could see a very large kind of crossover crowd for that show. Someone should write a song called "Let It Be," though. Yeah, you're onto something there. Man, if somebody would come out with that. I'm going to start typing, guys. Uh, Uh, Take it from here. I'm covering that one. um, Oh, really? Because as loyal listeners will know, at Summerfest, I end up with the shows that people don't want to cover on account of, (laughs) as anyone can guess, my um, sterling uh, (laughs) musical knowledge base, uh, Alan. Um, so I end up with, <laughs> due to our staff's uh, uh, taste, a lot most of the rap and country shows, which is fine, and uh, and it's good because I uh, bring a freshness <laughs> to uh, to the I coverage. Bring a unique and, take. Yeah. Uh, but having said that, I covered a, you know two or three of the Marcus country shows last year, and uh, Matt, you said this already, but like people, uh, you know, they are. It's always the most fanatical. Um, yes. It, it sort of exuberant enthusiasm of anyone. I, mean, you, I covered the Migos Big Sean um, Future show last year, and people went nuts. But like the actual sort of like diehard fanat- fanatics, always it, country brings out like that sort of like right. flag waving. I, I, I had this circle right for yeah. six months on my calendar. And kind you of can fan. always tell when it's country night at Summerfest. Yes. Like all of the cowboy boots are out. <clears throat> all of the plaid shirts are out, or yeah. the, the flannel shirts are out. So it's. It, it it definitely draws well, which you would expect from Wisconsin, which is, I right. think, obviously, that those would be the kind of nights when the, the whole state of Wisconsin, when when Illinois and the Midwest, yeah, that's, yes. that's their big event night. Right. The, the following it's, it's, night... It's also a big oh. retread night. 
Uh, yeah, two of our best retreads, Phil Vassar and Third Eye Blind. Some, some which if Summerfest has a Hall of Fame, they're absolutely first ballad in terms Ra- of at least in terms of appearances. And Rachel yes. Platten, who yeah, wrote right. the losingest song in American history, <laughs> the most losingest, huh? Yeah, which, what was that? Fight song. Oh God. Oh yeah. I, sometimes Oof. when I'm, being it's not real, a bad song. It's not a bad performance. It's just it's just it, Imagine Dragons by a woman. I mean, come yeah, on. Like, gonna, it's, I, it's not like Imagine Dragons already more insightful. Without the floor tops. I'm gonna dip into some some political commentary for a moment. Okay, please. It says a lot about the Hillary Clinton presidential campaign that that was the song they chose. <laughs> it is the most predictable, most obvious, most eye rolling choice. That any candidate uninspirational. Could've... Yeah, it's just like well, if, it, like if Hillary Clinton was the well, oh, of course she's the nominee. Mm-hmm. Like fight song was the oh well, of course song. This is pick. a big song. Yeah. Um, well, now we're all sad. Uh, <laughs> moving on to July first, <laughs> and how about for sadness? <laughs> The, the amphitheater headliner, Dave Matthews. Band. I know, you know, I used to, I had a Dave phase. I'm like, not hating on Dave at all. Sadness. He's not a sad singer. Sad. No one yeah, calls sad. I don't, I don't mind him. Feels I definitely, it. I, it's not my first choice to go that night to go. It's not my seventh see. choice. Yes. To go. <laughs> uh, I think that it's a big steal from Alpine Valley, who now yeah, that they've reopened. Point. It's a good swindle. Yeah, it is a, it is a good swindle from them. Because uh, Dave Matthews is yeah, performed there. He's predominantly, yeah, he's been one of many, the staples. Many, many times, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's always been like, they, they have tried Pro- to Probably has been keeping Alpine Valley in business for that's the last couple one of years. Yeah, they yeah. kind of relied on the same several events for a while. But this is a very, uh, for for a kind of rock-leaning, millennial, hipstery kind of person, This is a this is a good night. You've got... Uh, Greta Van Fleet, who's been very popular lately, I hear about her a lot. Uh, you have, I hear I, things. I hear things. Uh, mainly her music. Sources report. <laughs> but you also have Chromio, who's a really fun kind of '80s style pop, pop music, uh, hip hop. Uh, I'm going to be reviewing them. Spoon is mm-hmm. going to be kind of like the classic '90s to 2000s. Yeah, Spoon's uh, a really really solid act to yeah. see, and I'm definitely excited to go see them for that you'll one. You'll be you'll be spooning it up. I will be spooning it up. Lots <laughs> of colorful T-shirts from uh, previous Spoon performances around the country, no doubt. I don't. Do yeah. they have colorful shirts? Hey, uh, yeah, they're. they're I mean, probably. Their thing? Probably. I want to jump ahead. I'm going to jump wildly and recklessly to an act. Also, one of our fa- <coughs> one of our podcast favorites, uh, Lex Allen. Oh and yeah, bla- and Black Violin is, is uh, eight p.m. Black Violin uh, following up. So those yeah. are two. Uh, definitely check out Lex uh, if you like local music, local rap. Alan, you you probably uh, worked with him, right? We're, we're uh, chum- I'm chumming with Lex. Too. Yeah, Lex is great. He's unbelievable to see live. Um, he definitely makes the best of moments like this too. And then, uh, I mean, just in general, there's a lot of really good local talent. I know we're kind of. Skimming through the lineup day by day here, but... Abby Jean is performing. Abby Jean is a headliner. Um, she's listed as a headliner. I think that's going to be her breakout moment for sure. This summer is her Ooh. year. Ooh. Uh, she's the lead song in the Summerfest commercials. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's kind of how like we talked about last year, Ishtar was a big moment from Walking yeah. Hip Hop. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to be a big moment for her. Not to put any pressure on her, but uh, she's definitely got that. Um, you know, there's... Even locally, there's Antics, Faux Fiction is great, Rocket Paloma's going to be there, uh, Trapper Shep is always good, Bow and Arrow, um, I'm just quick scrolling yeah, through, have, Raina, have, Luxie. Yeah. I have to ask a question on this topic. There's always this debate, it seems like, every year about how local Summerfest has yeah. to be. yeah. Do you think the Summerfest needs to be this this kind of local showcase, or does it kind of operate outside of the Milwaukee music scene? 
I would say, and I get this a lot just seeing, really I see it a lot on Facebook from, you know, friends that are in the Milwaukee music scene sure. and things like that. There's always a push for more local and more local, and there was a local music stage, but wasn't necessarily the most local thing in the world, <laughs> or they didn't get paid to play was and things like that. the K&E stage? Yes, the yeah. K&E uh, stage. But I think that, you know, some of the people, there's a, there's a tinge of jealousy in that, in not being booked for the world's largest music festival or being booked for the biggest thing in the city. There's always going to be a push for more local music. Um, but I think that where Summerfest doesn't really necessarily take the ball and run with it because they could mm-hmm. and people, you know, as you, as you pointed out earlier, Matt, this is a festival for everyone. Yeah. And I think a lot of people kind of lose sight of that a little bit because sometimes you do need like the cover bands in the morning because nobody really wants to go see somebody at Tuesday at two <laughs> o'clock thing. Like, yeah, you can say you played Summerfest, but is anybody there to watch you? Um, so I, I don't think that it's necessarily that they don't, they don't have a, a necessity to be that local, but where they kind of don't pick up the ball sometimes is where things like the Rebel stage pick up the Slack, oh, yeah. and the Renegade stage, and those have become more and more prominent, and they've gotten a, done a better job of getting their their lineups out, which Rebel has been stage something year, that, yeah. yeah, which is something that they hadn't been doing in the past, and it was just a matter of probably there was no time to get <laughs> out to the press, <laughs> you know, things like that. Um, well, and also you've got the, the Clements, the new stage this year, the Clements Beer and Sausage Beer Garden, right. which there's a lot of talk of, uh, there was there's kind of a vibe of that being the new local the lo- stage. The new yeah. local stage, and the, the offerings this year are much it's a it's a laid back stage right. it's not a music stage first and foremost it's kind of a place where people can hang people can right. eat um, and there's music in the background seeing so. Evan Christian type yeah it's Evan a lot more acoustic, cool. uh, yeah. acoustic. Uh, it's a lot more acoustic it's a lot more uh, very diverse music uh, I think there's a I think I saw an Indian music act on there um, so a lot of stuff that you wouldn't generally see on other stages uh, probably can't play on a larger stage because they'd probably get blown out by right. the other stages. And a lot of it seems local. And maybe that'll grow into something more where, you know, they bring in more they local bands. That, they yeah. build from that. Uh, I, I think there's room to grow there. Yeah. But, I yeah, I, I guess I've always kind of been... Weird, I, weird. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. I do think that this year local music is in a much more prominent state than where it was. Um, in terms of the lineup, because it was always something that was kind of booked like 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, right as you're getting down there kind of yeah. thing. But like this year alone, we've got Genesis Renji is going to be on the Uline Warehouse stage at 7.30. Great name. Uh, great dude. And uh, <laughs> he, he's really nice. I can't, can't hate on it. Uh, he came to Big Beat all the time. Uh, Dead Horses are playing at 8 o'clock on the Biggs and Stratton bag, Big Backyard. Uh, Luxie is playing on like a 5.30. Ron Harper is playing a 6.30 show. Be Free is playing the BMO Harris Pavilion on July 6th at 8. So you've got a lot of people in prominent places, definitely. Um, I think that if you're really looking for local music, too, the Johnson Controls World Soundstage uh, has a partnership with 88.9, and so there's a lot of local acts that are in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Lex Allen is playing an 8 o'clock slot, so it's not like... You know, the, the steps are there, and yeah. people sometimes don't realize that things like that take steps to become more prominent, and it helps with coverage, and there's a million other ways you could spin that argument, but I think that Summerfest does a pretty decent job with local music. Would I love to see more local music there, and more local hip-hop especially? Of course. But, yeah, and you I, know, you can't please everyone. And yeah. I think that they, where you hear um, where you hear that criticism a lot 
is from the is from people and media outlets and you know local music fans who really are plugged in and sort of know the local music acts that should be there and that they want to see in the same way that you know the broad general Summerfest fans want to see the bands that they know on the radio and are they're not yeah, going right. to the Cactus Club and and speaking of which if you like to see local music, I mean, it's great to see, see the bands you like on Summerfest, but these bands are playing in Milwaukee all the time. Oh, yeah. Or certainly, certainly venues yeah. to, to support the bands you like yeah. without yeah. having to see them on Summerfest and then complain about local music not being here. Yeah, we have um, so many festivals during the summer. And, and I mean, <coughs> Alan, for Breaking and Entering, you guys have, have, have several month, events. Yeah. You, did, you did Big, Big Beat, Beat, as we mentioned, but which, you also uh, Tonic Tavern this past year. You've been yep. hosting concerts We there. have that, and then we are working on the Air in the Square music series this year, so there's going to be four dates for that in the Third Ward, um, which you guys were thankful and put out the lineup for us this year. That was awesome. And we try our best. Uh, so, I mean... My my only thing is I would challenge the casual Summerfest goer to go see one local act that they don't know that well. I like that. Yeah. Um, let's move on. Uh, July 3rd, uh, headliner there is J. Cole. It should be red, as we talked about. Um, Four out of five show. flame should be, emojis. Should be really, yeah, right. Should be a good show. Um, Matt, who are you excited to see uh, sort of in this back half of Summerfest when it reopens? I got to say, one of the acts I'm most excited about, and you kind of nicely led into this, would be free at 8 o'clock on July 6th. She's opening for Janelle Monet. Yes. Uh, who I think is going to be one of the shows of the of all of Summerfest. Janelle Monet is notoriously one of the best entertainers working right now. Uh, she's a live wire, uh, and she's been making a lot of uh, music on this latest album. I feel like you just were describing like a, a Latin American shortstop <laughs> live wire. <laughs> she's got a lot, of, a lot of scrappy personality. Yeah, uh, no, but it's. Yeah, she's she's released a lot of music this past half year off of, I think the album's called Dirty Computer. Um, everyone's just giving me blank faces. We all double-checked and we're like, so uh, we all yeah. agree. It's, it's a good album, though. Yeah. I've heard it. I just, the name, all of a sudden. It seems like, to be, uh, she, she seems to be the act that people are most excited about. I would say anecdotally, talking about, you know, just talking to friends, see on Twitter, uh, the, the, the requests we had to cover that show from people, um, just other media outlets that are covering, you know, like, the music that uh, she seems to be the one that people are really excited about and just happy. Like it's nice to book somebody and then see people's like reaction instead of saying, uh, you know, coming down liking them or not liking them to just overwhelming me to be like very, this is a great booking. We love it. Yeah. And it'll be interesting because I'm not sure my only, if I have a reservation about that show, it's that the BMO Harris pavilion is not a, an environment that I think is, uh, conducive to the kind of energy that she's going to bring. Yeah. She's going to want to throw a dance party. She's going to want people up on their feet, moving, right. having a good time. And the BMO Harris Pavilion is, is a pavilion. A lot of people are going to spend that concert sitting down or just kind of standing in place. Uh, that would have maybe been... I, I honestly thought she was at the Miller Light Oasis that night, which I think... That would have been a probably maybe a better venue for her, but... She has got a great projecting voice, and that's going to sound awesome. <laughs> and same as Be Free has a great vocal range that is going to project awesome in that in that amphitheater yeah. setting. So that's good. Um, meanwhile, uh, we can jump back just for a second here. July fourth, uh, the amphitheater headliner Journey and Def Leppard. Do we have anything we want to say about them? No. Uh, <laughs> Kesha is that night. A lot of people are excited about Kesha. Um, yep. She put on obviously that you know sort of. Uh, 
uh, epic um, sh- social media uh, crazed performance at, at the rave a couple yeah. years well, ago. She's she's still fighting her legal battles with right. Dr. Luke, right. um, Dr. and she Luke. she had the big Grammys performance with several of several fellow female performers. Right. That was very very emotional. It'll be interesting sort to a, see a, what a rebrand a little bit. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's going to be the same. I don't yeah. think it'll be the same as the rave show for no, sure. No, I think that's the kind of interest I have for the Kesha show is mm-hmm. what what act is she going to put on and what act is the audience expecting? Yeah. Is the audience coming in expecting this place about to blow, uh, <laughs> you know... TikTok. TikTok, Kesha. Yeah. I don't think... I mean, I'm sure she will play those songs. That would be a very Summerfest choice to play yeah. sort of those songs. Right? But I also don't think it's going to be the full-on party that... It used to be. I think she is transitioning. Contemplative and, singer now. And, well, I mean, she, uh, without bringing down the podcast too much, I mean, what happened with her and Dr. Luke is is, is, is ugly and awful and is mm-hmm. a really horrible mm-hmm. side of the media industry that has only obviously ballooned since that kind of story came out. That was kind of Me Too before, before Me, Me Too. Too yeah. Um, so I, I think she's she's definitely had... she Her voice is much more... Uh, potent now than it was mm-hmm. when she first came out. When she first came out, she was kind of tossed off and, and made fun of as like the dumb party girl singer. And I think there was always, I think everyone always kind of assumed there was more talent there than the public perception was. And we're seeing now over the past two years, uh, that is true. And it's a, it's a shame that it's, um, it's, it's both uh, sad and empowering to see it being used uh, to, to kind of speak out on injustices that happened to her and then clearly happened to other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, July 5th, uh, the night of the aforementioned Mendez Fest. <laughs> Mendez Fest! Yes, on the night of Mendez Fest. Um, I'm actually really excited about this. There's um, What's it called? Uh, Mendez Fest. <laughs> three air horns! Rank right. that three air horns out of three on that one. Um, three three groups all playing at 10 p.m. Three acts at 10 p.m. that uh, you know around 10 p.m. that I'm pretty excited about. I think that a lot of people that are going to draw well. I think that should be a pretty um, crowded night and a pretty sort of like vibrant night. Mm-hmm. Um, Machine Gun Kelly, slightly stupid, trampled by turtles. Um, all You're sort of leaving their- out ja- DJ Jazzy Jeff and, and DJ Jazzy Jeff will be there again as well. Um, but uh, sort of you know some groups that with some really diehard entrenched. Uh, um, mm-hmm. Uh, sects of fans um, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know I like when sort of the late shows have a little bit of energy and mm-hmm. um, an edge to them I yeah. I think it's interesting we've been joking about Mendez Fest I think a lot of the people are going to be going to that show for the opener Charlie XCX oh yeah who's one of low key the coolest pop stars working uh, in addition to her own stuff which obviously her big song was Boom Clap from uh, Fault in Our Stars from several years ago. Right. Uh, but she was on Fancy. She's the she's the good part of the song Fancy by right. Iggy Azalea. She's, I believe she sang most of I Don't Care. I think that was always the rumor yeah. on the street was that, like, Icona Pop became famous, but that was basically Charlie, Charlie XCX's X-X. song. Uh, she's been, like, the coolest pop star no one really knows, and so I, I think people are really going to come out for her and, and kind of see this. I think she'll provide a great live show. I think it'll be very fun for an opener. It's not just going to be setting the scene. I think she's going to put on a... It, it'll feel more like a co-headliner show, I think, right. than, than people are expecting. I actually, that night, am going to see somebody that neither one of you guys mentioned. Uh-oh. Uh, I'm actually, band. No. <laughs> no. 
Uh, I am going to see Amine on the Uline Warehouse stage. Do I know Amine? You know the song Caroline. Sweet. Not that one. No. Caroline. Caroline. Not that one either. No. (laughs) The other Caroline. So if you are a bad thing, fine as hell, et cetera, Jimmy and Matt receive a half flame emoji out of five Uh, of that guessing game. But yeah, no, Amine is actually an act that I'm sure a lot of people don't realize that they know him, but they've heard the song Caroline on the radio, and uh, he's he's been a really, really solid draw. He was really nice when we saw him at Lollapalooza. Like, I, he played a mid-afternoon set, and I was sitting off to the side of the stage that we were at, just kind of resting at that point. <laughs> and I see this surge of kids coming to the stage, and I was like, who, what is going on? And then Amine <laughs> took the stage, and I had not really like put two and two together who he was at that point. Put on a phenomenal show. Went back and I listened to the album. It's a great album, too. So um, Amina is going to be a, a fun show to be at as well. Intriguing. So that whole night is actually going to be really, really, really good. So Yeah. I'm. Let's uh, let's just do a quick little little wrap-up of the final couple days. Because things do definitely, I think, slow down. Well, July 6th, we said Janelle Monae. Um, Blake Shelton is the headliner there. Yeah. Um, oh, Blake. The 7th, the big act is obviously uh, the guy from Korn. <laughs> Jonathan Davis. No, that's the night I'm going to see Cheap Trick. Come on, man. Oh, that's right. I'm actually I'm I'm seeing the weekend that night, uh, which I'm mostly excited about, but I'm very concerned he's exclusively gonna play his sad post Selena Gomez songs. Oh, oh yeah. That's it could, it, it could be some somber ass shit. That is my fear. My fear is that he's gonna exclusively bust out like sad bastard music and I'm just gonna be like, Why? <laughs> I I did not come here for this. Uh which is funny because it's not like weekends hit songs are like uplifting songs like a lot of them are yeah. like about bangers. <laughs> like his regular hits are not exactly uplifting. So if he goes full dour, I'm gonna be in a bad state. <laughs> uh, also, John Batiste and the Dap Kings are that night, which I think Ooh. is low key a really fun act. Ian, yeah. For those who don't know, John Batiste is the band leader for Stephen Colbert. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, he's a very lively personality on that show. He's a good performer. The Dap Kings are a pretty legendary uh, yeah. kind of blues backup band or R&B backup band. So I think that could be a really low-key fun night. And also it's at the Johnson Controls World okay. Stage, which has a roof. So if it rains... You're good. You got a show. You're good. <laughs> you got a show. Um, that's, I keep trying to drag my parents to that show. I keep trying to be like, hey, come to Summerfest... Uh, and see John Batiste. You'll and, have a good time. And they're like, it's at what hour of the night? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. They're very much old people. <laughs> uh, and then July 8th, uh, the Summerfest finale, we've got uh, Wayne and Wignut and the Red Hot Chili Puppets. <laughs> don't forget to go see the Red Hot Chili Puppets at the Northwestern Mutual Children's Theater oh, Play Zone. They'll be there, I don't know, seven or 800 times over uh, the 11 you're, days. You're really underselling Zuma demonstrations. I <laughs> just want to point out that there was also a time where the Red Hot Chili Pipers were at Summerfest yeah. one year. So we had oh, help. People were legitimately considered, like, thought that it was just a typo. There was confusion? Yeah, there <laughs> so was we had the Pipers confused. and the Puppets? No, not the, the Pipers and the Peppers. Oh, okay. And they thought that it was, like, a weird Red Hot Chili Peppers show. But was how many pecs did they pick? Oh, God. Yeah. Sorry. Um... And on that note, what are, Matt, made this Matt, thoroughly confused. Everyone, everyone, you're going to see. You'll be there a lot, Alan, and you, and you will be too. What are you guys most excited for on a personal level to uh, to go see at Summerfest? Uh, the people watching. Um, no, I think the the <laughs> act. That's tough. That's actually a little tough. Uh, Alan, do you have an act that you're like? You know, actually, yeah. Um, the Flaming Lips are coming this year, mm-hmm. and a few years ago, I went to go meet up with somebody at. 
the uh, a Third Eye Blind show that was the same night. And I was at a wedding before that, and so I got there late. And by the time I got to Third Eye Blind, there was just a packed Briggs and Stratton stage. Meanwhile, the BMO Harris Pavilion had flaming lips, and uh, I decided that I'll just I'll head over to there and see what they're all about. And it was one of those shows I said, the next time that this band is coming to Milwaukee, I am dropping every plan that I have in my schedule, and I will be at the Flaming Lips show. So I'm actually really, really looking forward to seeing them. I believe that the Harley-Davidson yeah. Roadhouse is here. And who knows, maybe Wayne Coyne will walk around the crowd at a hamster ball again. And that is why Alan is not going to be attending his wedding on <laughs> July 8th. No. <laughs> no. no. Mine's much later than that. Uh, <laughs> do you want to know who, which former Bucks player was a big uh, Flaming Lips fan that I saw there two years ago? Uh, former Buck. Former Bucks player. Uh, this one won't be surprise you once I say it, given his hairstyle and general. Uh, I'm gonna uh, go attitude. ahead and say. Oh, um, is it what's his name? The tall one, Larry one, Sanders. Yeah. No, no, that's good. That's where I was gonna lean towards because I feel one like Larry of the Sanders. You can just say oh, it. And it, it was Miles. It was Miles. <laughs> He's wearing a long burlap trench coat thing and uh, and was by himself and was happy to take a picture. A burlap trench coat was that's he the? Funny the, the, that you say yeah. that. I think I saw. I remember seeing a Marquette player at the Third Eye Blind show that night. Oh. And he was a current Marquette player. Basketball uh, players, they're just like us. <laughs> right. <laughs> Matt, who are you excited to see? I, I wanna, I wanna, I'm curious, uh, what, you, you're covering so many shows, and so a lot of times shows. these are obligations, but you really like to go to see Summer Fest. Are you, are you excited about anyone that you're going to be reviewing, or uh, are you going to take a little bit of a vacation from this 11-day marathon? Uh, you, you know, I'm kind of, I, this is such a safe bullshit answer, but I'm kind of like lukewarm, not lukewarm, but I'm kind of like even on Luke everyone. Luke I'm very, Yeah, Luke Bryan. Uh, I'm pretty even on everybody. Like I'm very I'm very excited about pretty much everybody. I think if I had to pick one particular act, I think Imagine Dragons is gonna be put on a good show. I think that's gonna be the most crowded show at Summerfest. I think there's gonna be a lot of energy there. Uh, there's gonna be a lot of floor towns. The da- the lead singer, Dan, I think it's Dan Reynolds, just released a documentary on HBO about being Mormon but also being pro LGBT. And I think you could possibly get a very emotionally a, a very emotional evening from that because obviously that movie just premiered. He's probably he's been in the spotlight a lot. He'll likely talk about it. Yeah. He'll probably he'll probably talk about it. I think there will be. A, I, I think that that could make for you want a show at Summerfest and you want a show just in general where it's a one of a time kind of show. Where like you see something special that you don't feel like you're going to see ever again, or if you see them again, it's not going to be like that. So I think that that's kind of interesting to me. See, I knew you had one, and I'm really glad that you were able to figure out something interesting to talk about, so we didn't have to edit all of that out yeah, um, by you saying you're excited about everyone. Um, there, you know, I'm not excited about Dante <laughs> Divincenzo new Bucks yeah. pick. Uh, you stole my segue, but that one works too. Um, oh. We Matt, we have to talk about Dante Divincenzo we'll because Matt has really strong feelings. Oh. Uh, and we never want to. We never want to uh, uh, save a chance for him to talk. Get, live, give a hot take. Time for some Matt takes. Uh, I don't like this pick. I think this is a bad pick. With that is at best a low ceiling pick. I've seen too many of these sharpshooting white dudes come out of the NCA, and everyone's like, "Ooh, he's got such a great shot. He's gonna be great. He's gonna." And then you know what? They never turn out to be Kyle Korver. I was just gonna say, besides racism, what don't you like about it? <laughs> I don't like that he was essentially a bench player. I don't like Well, he that. was a bench player. He was yeah. the sixth man of the year award winner in the I East. don't like that whenever anyone talks about Dante DiVincenzo, all they refer to is the last three or four games he played, which feels like some real recency bias. 
I, I think I think it's really exciting to say he scored 31 points in the NCAA tournament game. You know who also looked great in the NCAA tournament? DJ Wilson. Not great. So <laughs> so far, maybe this is the year of DJ Wilson, but I I think I think the Bucks had other needs, mainly rebounding. I think you're still starting either John Henson or Thon Maker at the five. And I don't think anyone's particularly thrilled about that. And I just don't think the value was there in Dante DiVincenzo at that pick. I think he is a low-ceiling dude who at best makes the Bucks a sixth seed next season. Ooh, exciting. What a change of pace. Lonnie Walker was on the board at that point, who I think is a far bigger upside. Uh, and I think Robert, Robert Williams was still on the board, who fits, who fits the five mold that the Bucks have been desperately lacking. Uh, and I was very depressed to see both of those players go to the Spurs and the Celtics, respectively, two of the best currently run organizations in the NBA. What do they know that the Bucks, who got scooped out of a good trade also on draft night, <laughs> that we don't? So those are the reasons why I'm not excited about Dante DiVincenzo. <laughs> yeah, I, I think those are all good points. And I also respect the fire that you're breathing right now with your uh, anti uh uh, big ragu. I'm so sen- red right now. Ah, sentiment. Right. Um, and you mentioned DJ Wilson. The Bucks don't. This is now the third time in the last four years they've drafted at number 17. The previous two guys were Rashad Vaughn, DJ Wilson. So uh, well, he, he doesn't exactly inspire a whole lot of confidence in the, their ability to pick at that spot. Um, you also mentioned he's low ceiling. I actually, that's one of the reasons I like this pick. Um, the <laughs> I like which, my ceilings low, which is counterintuitive. Yeah, <laughs> like I like I like crouching. Yeah, uh, I like that part in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I really factory like where being the room gets smaller. <laughs> I really like being hunched over in my basketball players. Um, the Bucks. The Bucks needed a, need a guy in the backcourt who can handle the ball, come in in the second unit, and give them uh, some scoring, take the pressure off of those guys, um, those those reserves, and uh, basically be another Malcolm Brogdon type. When they lost Malcolm Brogdon last year, that basically torpedoed uh, about a month or a month and a half of their second yeah, half of the season. Yeah, they clearly right? lo- they clearly did not play better. I think basketball part of the them. understanding of this pick is that. Matthew Dalvadova is is going to be gone. Um, yes. But getting back to DiVincenzo specifically, <laughs> um, if he comes in and in the short term is able to be a guy that gives you 20 minutes in the rotation as a rookie, he's already doing more than all of the other guys that they've picked at 15 or lower other than Giannis Antetokounmpo. So if he's able to come in and be at all a contributing role player, that's a good that's a good pick at that spot. You're not getting... John Hammond's gone, and even if you believe that he had some magic touch, we're basically talking about two or three good picks the Bucks have had in the last eight years. So you can get mad. I can. I, I certainly understood the, the night of the draft, the, the Twitter angst and anger about drafting this I guy. I sent who, Jimmy a lot of very fiery <laughs> text messages that night. Um, the other thing you're leaving out is, and again, I mean, I, I can remember the Marcus Hayslip pick from however long, 10, 15 years ago, the guy who jumped out of the gym at the Combine. DiVincenzo, yeah, that always concerns me. DiVincenzo like posted a 42-inch vertical at the Combine, which was tied for the highest among everybody there. So you get, you're, you're on paper, on paper, which is what the draft is at this I was point. Say, that, that's great for the jumping contest. Yeah, that he's a guy who's every, every well, game at a, halftime. Okay, so, but if you're, if you're drafting NBA players, what else... What is the NBA, the modern NBA, but jump, but athleticism and outside shooting ability? He gives you those things. He's dependable. He comes from a team where he was happy to be, where he was willing to come off the bench for a national champion. I think that's a little bit of sort of this like media, you know, coaches love to talk about that stuff. And I think it yeah. becomes like a, a little overwrought narrative. But it's important to have those kind of things in a team where last year that locker room cratered and a lot of guys didn't know their role or didn't play their role. Um, and uh, personally, I'm just happy to be able to cover a guy whose nickname is the Who's Big Ragu. Who's that about? Who's, what was that? Wait, hold on. What was that comment about? 
Bucks players not knowing their role on the team. Jimmy. Oh, yeah. Um, Jimmy, who are you talking to? I'm looking forward to uh, another season of Eric Bledsoe, hopefully remaining in Milwaukee Bucks. Um, That's who you're talking about, definitely. um, Not a former former top three pick? Not a former... don't get me started on my boy. He's he's gonna be a buck forever. Really? Yes. I think you, I happen. think the next month is about to really disprove. Or me. if if the Bucks don't want Jabari Parker, I can see him being perfectly happy working for the Milwaukee Public Schools because that's just how <laughs> angelic of a you person think that's he the is. Career move for Jabari Parker. <laughs> can we talk? Also, can we just can you can you at least acknowledge the fact that. We the Bucks now have a player whose nickname is the Michael Jordan of Delaware on their team. You know, <laughs> and whose dad was already a Bucks fan. And if you want to read more about Dante Vincenzo, and you're not yeah. Matt, clearly read my stories on Milwaukee, and I won't have to talk anymore. I need about to it. very importantly say no one is more excited to be proven wrong than I am on this. If Dante Vincenzo puts up ten to fifteen points, if he puts up. Tony Snell-type numbers. That, <laughs> he, he's Snellian? <laughs> no, I mean, like, regular Tony Snell numbers. Like, Tony Snell's frustrating because he'll be, he'll put up five points for three games, and then all of a sudden he'll go off for 20. If Dante DiVincenzo can give you 10 to 15 every night, be that kind of Malcolm Brogdon that you think he can be, uh, be that be that Della Vidova, and if they can get something decent for Della Vidova, whether it be a pick, whether it be... You know, a, another big man to hopefully, you know, try out and see if he can fit since that's obviously a space that we need help. Awesome. Uh, Alan, what do you yeah. say? You got, uh, you got 10 seconds. I got 10 seconds. I wish we would have took Lonnie Walker instead. Yeah! That's where I'm at with that. Yeah. <laughs>